morning, guys. Morning. Man, I don't want to interrupt the fellowship. You guys can just do this for the next 30 minutes. That'd be great. How's everyone doing this morning? Great. You sound great. Everyone feeling the joy of the Lord this morning? Um, I'm stealing somebody's podium, but it's, we're going to make it work. Uh, before we get started, my name is Jake Mudgerso. I'm the pastoral intern here at The Transit. And we are going to continue our study in Ephesians chapter 3 today. But before we go any further, we got to say, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the room. My mom is here. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, you had four of us, and I was just so amazed with, man, your patience in dealing with the other three. Um, what a mom. Uh, just truly amazing. I don't know why my family's laughing that hard. Um, I will say this, the only thing you probably could have done a little differently growing up, maybe sprinkled me with some holy water, that would have helped. Uh, but Ephesians 3, 7 through 13, you can turn there now in your Bibles. We will be in the English Standard Version, ESV. And uh, if you remember last week, Pastor Nick led us through verses 1 through 6. And it was, what was it? You remember stewarding the gospel. Do you remember what the story he shared of the Russian grandmother of giving him every time she saw him would give him a $20 bill and say, don't waste it, Nick, don't waste it. And that is, we have been given so much more than a $20 bill. The points that Nick had last week were the gift we've been given is priceless, it's plentiful, and it's powerful. That is the gift we've been given and stewarding it well. And part of that stewarding is sharing it with others, not wasting the gift we have been Given And today, uh, 7 through 13 is kind of similar to 1 through 6. It, this is really kind of part two of the message that Pastor Nick uh, preached last week. So if you didn't listen last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen because all of our messages as we walk through Ephesians as a church build off of each other. So go back and listen. But today is a little more application. We're going to read the text, go through a couple of quick points and uh, pray and ask the Lord to uh, change our hearts and minds and restore our vision to Him. Uh, if you're taking notes, three points for this morning. Very simple. First point is grasp it. Grasp it. Second point is personalize it. And the third point is deliver it. So grasp it, personalize it, deliver it are three points. You don't have to write down too much. And we're going to dive into the text. Uh, verse 7 of Ephesians 3. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, don't miss that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Father, we delight to uh, have another morning in your presence. 
to have another morning. You've given us this gift, and, and we're here in your house that you have built by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are here for you. We aren't here for ourselves. Yes, when we come in your presence, we benefit in, in massive ways, but Lord, this morning is yours. Everything we have is yours because you first gave us all. So we surrender this morning to you. Would uh, this preaching of your word and our worship to you be a uh, just soothing aroma to you? Would it be well-pleasing in your sight? You're such a good father, and I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now and restore our vision correctly. If we have, have a cloudy vision this morning, which most of us probably do, would you restore clarity to see you clear? In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, grasp it. Make the journey from head to heart. I'll unpack that here in a little bit, but just going to do a quick kind of recap of the text, what Paul is saying in 7 through 13. Paul is first saying that this gift that's been given to him is through the power of God. It's the power of God that changed his life. That's what he said in verse 7. It was a complete gift, gift that he did nothing to earn. Nothing to earn. This was a gift from God that was uh, priceless to him. And, and what he shares is, uh, when he's talking about the power of God moving and changing his life, we're actually going to look at Paul's testimony briefly in the middle of this sermon to, to see how the power of God moves in his life. If, if you haven't read through that before, or it's been a little while, we're going to go back into that. This is what Paul is talking about, uh, that this gift of grace was given to him with the purpose to go through him, bringing to light Jesus for everyone. So the gift he has been given isn't meant to just stay with him. He's meant to brought light to Jesus for everyone, and we will look at that. That's beautiful what happens. And what Paul is just saying is, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He's powerfully delivered me. He's changed my life. You have to know. You have to taste and see the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he can do for you. If you remember the duck donuts example from last week of Pastor Nick saying there's I don't even know what this donut is. It's like a bacon donut, but apparently it changed his life. I don't think it will change mine. I'm skeptical. I got to be honest, but maybe one day I'll try it. But this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's saying, I have tasted and seen something that has changed my life. You have to hear about it. You have to know about it. I've been given something so good, I can't hold on to this because I love and care for the people who don't know about the goodness, not of this donut, but of Jesus. Amen. And uh, the crazy part, as we read through this, you probably saw it, the audience isn't just the Gentiles here. There's a divine audience that is watching all of this take place. The audience, the principalities and the heavenlies are witnessing the power of God. These principalities are angels, good and bad, watching everything unfold through the church, God's salvation plan. Now, that's a whole different sermon for another time. There's a lot to unpack there, but I just want uh, us to know that the gospel is much more, uh, it's not just about us here. There's also other things taking place. There's an audience, a divine audience, watching that through the church, what Jesus is doing, the power of God moving and salvation coming, restoration coming, and not only are people around us watching this take place, but there's a divine audience. Does that not blow your mind a little bit? There's a lot to unpack there. But through the church, the vast wisdom of God's eternal plan would be revealed and shared through the church. And we're going to dive into a little more application. So we're going to look at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace 
was given. Before we can even think of advancing the gospel and sharing what we know about Jesus, before we can even do that, we have to first receive it ourselves. We have to first grasp it ourselves. If we haven't done that, there's nothing we can give to anyone other than just a well-crafted kind of gospel presentation. That's it. We first have to receive it. It has to be genuine and real to us. And if we haven't grasped the weight of the precious gift we have in salvation through Jesus Christ, we've missed out on a lot. We've missed out on a lot. And what I mean by that is if we just have a head knowledge, if we just have a head knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done, and that hasn't transferred to our hearts, we've really missed the point. We've really missed the point. Without this important journey of understanding, our Christian walk will be an intellectual, bless you, intellectual ascent alone, not a relational ascent. If we just have a head knowledge of the Bible and it actually truly hasn't changed our lives, what we are doing in our Christian walk is just an intellectual ascent. It's just an intellectual ascent, not a relational, abiding, loving relationship that we have in Christ. And now this is the working of the Holy Spirit. So we remember a couple of weeks ago, it, it's by the Spirit, the house is built. God builds his church off of the rock of Jesus, the foundation of Jesus, and it's by the Spirit the house is built. It's also by the Spirit that we can even grasp this, that we can even see the goodness of Jesus. So we are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to move and show us our condition. And it's not something we can just kind of sit around and think really hard and reflect really hard and, and then we'll grasp it. That While that is very good, I think we always have to have a posture of our time with the Lord of remembering where we once were and knowing where we are now, all by the grace of God, reflecting on his goodness. But we desperately need the Holy Spirit to come and clear our eyes. We need the Holy Spirit. We are utterly dependent on him. And only the Spirit can do that. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. One of the primary works of the Spirit is revealing the gospel to us, revealing Jesus to us, restoring our vision. We need the Holy Spirit to move. And uh, you can just, it's a simple thing of asking the Lord and trusting in his timing and what he does, but start asking the Lord and the Holy Spirit to come and clear your vision, clear your eyes to see the goodness of God. If you feel like you have a little bit of a hard heart, ask the Holy Spirit to come and soften your heart. It's all the work of the Spirit, so we go to the Father and ask Him to lead us. We may need a fresh reminder. I know I always do. I need a fresh reminder of the goodness of God in the busyness of life. And we can look at, um, oh, this is actually, all right, sweet. We're already going to point two, personalizing it. Look at verse eight in our text, point number two, personalize it. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is not forgetting his testimony. We see often when Paul writes his letters, he's not forgetting his testimony. He's reminding who he's writing to of, hey, I was once this way, and now I am totally different because Jesus came. He's not forgetting his testimony, and that is critical. He's not just trying to smack people over the head with 
the word of God and uh, the gospel. He's not trying to whip people with the belt of truth. He's trying to genuinely show change in his life with Jesus, that Jesus alone changed him, and it was the power of God that moved in his life. And if you aren't familiar with Paul's testimony, we're going to look at Acts chapter 9. Uh, It's a little lengthier text. We're just going to read a couple verses. You can turn there if you wish. But the Apostle Paul was not always, that wasn't always his name. His name was Saul, and he was a bad dude. If you know him, if you, if you read and studied him, he was persecuting Christians. He was hunting Christians down to imprison them. Scary guy. He's, uh, in Acts 9, he's walking to Damascus. And while he's walking, a, a light shines down from heaven and, and surrounds him. And this is what we see in the text. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. Saul has this radical and powerful encounter with the power of God uh, on his walk to Damascus, and Jesus himself literally calls Saul out for persecuting him. Wild, absolutely insane, and he's, he's blinded, he's completely shaken up, and God sends his disciple Ananias to go pray for him. He, he tells him, go pray for this man named Saul, and if you know the text, Saul first says, but Lord, do you know who Saul is? As if Jesus doesn't actually know what Saul has been doing. Uh, he reminds Jesus of like, hey, like he actually doesn't like people like me at all, um, but ultimately Ananias, this is the important part, he surrendered to the Father and was obedient and went, not knowing how things would go. And uh, Saul prays for him, lays hands on him, prays for him, for his vision to be restored, for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, the text says, he was healed and something like scales fall off of his eyes. The Holy Spirit opens his eyes physically and also spiritually. God restores his vision. Next, we see in the text, he gets baptized, and the word immediately is there. Immediately, he goes to the synagogue and just starts testifying to the goodness of God and who Jesus is. And he's saying in the synagogues, he is the Son of God. That is what he immediately goes and does after this powerful encounter with Jesus. And the people in the synagogue obviously were astonished because they knew who Saul once was. But now they see an actual, genuine, and real change of the power of Jesus moving in Paul's life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he mentions verse 7, by the working of his power, the power of God came and rocked his world. Um, And he took the story and instantly started sharing his testimony and sharing biblical truth as one, that biblical truth and testimony together are just so genuine and beautiful and powerful. And we see another person uh, in John 9 have a powerful encounter with Jesus. Uh, John 9, uh, it's the story of the blind man who was blind from birth and then was healed. And the Pharisees are losing their mind over what took place. They're trying to uh, get the blind man to say Jesus was a sinner and all these things going on. And uh, they are basically interrogating him. And this is what we see in the text, John 9. Look at how he responds and the exchange that takes place. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, 
Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Look at the boldness and confidence of this blind man in this exchange. And do you think the, the boldness and confidence was coming from his vast knowledge and study of the scriptures? I'm not knocking that, but the, I, I want to bring something out of this. He's confident and unshakable because he's seen how it's actually changed his life. It's genuine and real. That when we have the word of God and our genuine testimony of, I was once this way, but now I'm this way, you, it, it's a beautiful testimony to share. And we, it's, uh, I just love looking through this and seeing uh, the boldness and, and the faith of this man. And it comes from, no, Jesus has actually changed his life and he knows it. And he knows it. And he doesn't care what other people think. And for us, what is our story? We were once one way and now we're different through Jesus Christ. And this is what we're all kind of getting at this morning is what is our personal story? What is our testimony? Disclaimer, uh, I know some of you are probably like, hey, I, I don't really have a testimony, Jake. I grew up in a Christian home. I kind of had a, like nothing crazy. I wasn't persecuting Christians. I wasn't carjacking people at gunpoint. Like I don't have that story. And I would gently and lovingly push back at that mindset of you being plucked from the jaws of destruction for all of eternity and given mercy and love through Jesus Christ, that you get to now, we get to fellowship in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity, and we have hope and peace and joy forever. That is a powerful and genuine testimony. And the very fact that you haven't had all these crazy swings and not saying you aren't without sin, I hope to the Lord you don't believe that, but uh, if you haven't had those crazy swings, that's a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness of you walking on the firm foundation that he offers us to walk on, and he's kept you. That is a powerful and real genuine testimony. And don't make the mistake that I made early on in my life of like, I don't really have a testimony. Because what we're saying is with our testimony, it's telling just of what God has done in our life. And if you say, like I had said early on in my life, I don't have a testimony. I'm saying God has done nothing for me. God has done nothing for me. And if you aren't sure what that is exactly, what your testimony truly is, to make it personal. We're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service just between you and the Lord to just pray and ask him. Pray and ask him, what is my personal testimony? Lord, what have you done for me? And for me, uh, growing up, I've shared a little bit of my testimony in the past. Uh, I won't go too much into it. But growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I loved the Lord. I knew the gospel. I had a head knowledge of everything that I'm supposed to have a head knowledge of. But when I looked at the cross, I couldn't see my Savior. I couldn't see my friend. It wasn't personal to me. 
And there was uh, something in my life where when I was in my teens, I did everything in this world to try to quench my thirst, to try to, and I was drawing from the world, everything that was supposed to bring you happiness and joy and peace, I did it. And what it led to was complete depression, brokenness, and anxiety. And the problem was, the crazy cycle of that is the more you go to the well of the world, the thirstier you get, and it's a complete downfall. But there's one at the well who offers you a drink, and you'll never thirst again. And that's what Jesus truly did for me with somebody just praying for me. The power of prayer, of just going to the Father and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come and and, uh, restore our vision of who he truly is and what he's done for us personally. We have a a head knowledge of collectively, but it's so important for us to truly know personally what Jesus has done and be able to articulate that as we go out to before we even think about sharing our testimony. And honestly, my testimony got so much more powerful after that encounter because it was real and genuine to me. It was real and genuine to me. And I'll put it this way. Imagine a salesman coming to my door, knock on the door, and he's selling me the world's greatest life-changing hair growth product, yet he's bald. So I don't, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. What he is, he's presenting to me, we both know by the way he's living, that this truly hasn't changed his life. He may give the perfect presentation from his company of the gospel presentation of this hair growth product, and he hits it on every point, but there's no power in it. There's no genuine, real testimony behind it that I can actually believe. It has to be genuine and real to us before we even try to share with anyone else. And point number three is deliver it. Deliver it. We can take all that God has shown us, and and we do need to share it. We need to share our testimony, but first we need to uh, see what he has done before we move the ball forward. Uh, It is not supposed to stop with us. We are supposed to advance the ball forward, uh, the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only the Holy Spirit that uh, moves that forward, not our own actions and strength. How do we do this? Look at verses 8 and 9. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So the word preach here literally means to announce good news. In verse 7, when he says, I was made a minister of the gospel, minister, the word there is literally like a go-between. You're just taking something that's given to you and delivering it to someone else. That's it. How simple is that? We are given a gift and all we have to do is just bring it to somebody else. Share, Share what God has done in your life. That is, we just receive apply it, and share it. Very simple. And we have to continually reflect on the grace of God personally in our lives and never forget the work he has done individually and collectively. And we see scripturally sharing testimonies is really important. When Don't take my word for it. Let's look at the word of God. Uh, Mark 5, uh, when Jesus delivers a man from a legion of demons, what does Jesus tell him? Look at the text. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Everyone marveled because they knew who he once was, but now they see genuine change, powerful change through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, And I will say this, 
and this is for me more than probably anyone here because I get super nervous of sharing the gospel, sharing my testimony with anyone, yet I'm up here, so the Lord's doing something. Uh, But uh, (laughs) this is not a recommendation from Jesus. This is actually a directive. We aren't really like told like, hey, if you feel like it, go and do it. We're told throughout the word of God to share the goodness of Jesus and the testimony and the work that he's actually done in our lives. It's not a recommendation. Look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You turn on the news for five minutes, you're immediately depressed at what is taking place in this world. The world needs hope. The world needs the gospel. The world needs Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. And for us to go out and do anything, it first has to be real and change us. Does that make sense? It first has to be real and change us. And we we need to be able to articulate it as well. And like I said, if it, it scares you, you're a little worried about sharing the gospel... We have a training coming up. I'm sure you heard about it this morning if you were here at 9.30. We have evangelism training June 3rd. It's a Saturday, 9 to 2. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, this ministry training is the best ministry training I have ever had in my life. It um, immediately kind of brought down fear of sharing like my testimony and sharing the gospel. It was just a simple kind of equipping uh, class. So if you're interested, please RSVP so we have kind of a head count for the class, but talk to one of the leaders here. Um, if you're uncertain or feel like an extra amount of fear just hearing about this, you really probably should go. That's probably a sign. Um, <clears throat> but what we want to communicate here at the church, evangelism tools are just tools without the Holy Spirit leading. So we can have these tools, we can have a perfect gospel presentation, but if we aren't utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to move and lead and guide us, then we just have tools in our tool belt. We need the Holy Spirit to move and lead us. And we're seeing that on these prayer walks that we do once a month as a church. We are seeing the Lord meet people right where they are. It's so beautiful to see uh, people actually encounter the love of Jesus for them and the mercy of uh, Jesus for them. That's what God is doing and what he is calling us to do. So it's the Holy Spirit who moves. He points us to Jesus, and he comes and empowers us as we point others to Jesus. And we see throughout Acts of they were filled with the Spirit to proclaim Jesus. We need to be filled with the Spirit to go before we proclaim Jesus. That makes sense? And it's as simple as I've already asked, I've already told you, Uh, sharing the gospel, is just ask the Lord to lead you. Ask the Lord to open doors, to to be a light wherever you are, wherever he has you. And it's amazing to see him work. And I know talking about sharing the gospel, sharing your faith can be uh, unsettling. And you may be thinking of, great, this doesn't apply to me because I work at a job that I literally cannot share my faith with anyone. And I know that's true. Believe me, on the police department, I wasn't allowed to share my, my faith or the gospel with anyone. It was a written policy. So I understand that tension. But again, don't make the mistake I made for so long early on in my career of I used that as an excuse 
to do nothing. I use that as an excuse to keep my comfort, to not expose myself in any way to any of my coworkers who I think I'm like, I'm kind of cool, I don't want to, you know, throw that out there of like, no, I'm actually like super weak, but this is what Jesus has done in my life. Uh, I was scared and used that as a smokescreen to preserve my comfort. And we have been given all the hope in the world for all of eternity, and what we do cannot look like nothing. It can't look like nothing. And when we talk about sharing the gospel, we're not saying, you know, go into your workplace and sit your coworker down who you see every day and hit him over the head with a gospel presentation. To be clear, no one here at Transit is telling you to hit anyone, none of the leaders at least. That's not what we're saying. You can live out and share the gospel by how you live, how you work in the workplace, how you serve your boss, how you don't gossip about him, how there's no obscene talk coming from your mouth how you operate differently. And I heard this quote this week. I don't know who it's from, but who cares? We should live our life in a way that demands a gospel explanation. So when our coworkers, our friends, our family see us living our lives, they say, that's different. Why? That's different. Why? And then the door is open to say, well, this is, this is what the Lord has done in my life. He's drastically changed my life. Drastically changed my life. The door is open, and the only action item I'm going to give you guys today, the only action item, you got to share your your testimony 10 times this week. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Everyone's starting to head for the door. That's not it. The only thing I'm asking you to do is just pray. Just pray. Ask the Lord to open up opportunities to just shine a light onto other people you're working with, or share the love of Jesus, or just continue to love, and he may never open that opportunity, and that's okay. You aren't a bad Christian if you aren't sharing the gospel with any of your coworkers, but are you living out the gospel by how you're acting and behaving and loving them no matter what? And uh, I'll, I'll share this. I know early on in my career, I had a lot of, uh, I used that as an excuse not to do anything, and the Lord radically changed my life, uh, and I, I was given this burden of, man, I have to try to reach some of my coworkers. This is, there's just brokenness everywhere, and I know who I once was, but now I'm here because of Jesus. Like, I have to share this with somebody. i got to pray for somebody. i got to do something. Lord, use me. And so I started to just pray. And it, it's laughable of looking back of all the things the Lord just handed to me when I started to pray. Of literally, like, I can't take any credit for any bit of sharing Jesus uh, at the workplace or just living out the gospel. I can't take any credit for it because it was all through prayer that the Lord lined up things. And uh, one specifically, I uh, was on the way to work, and I was just praying for a specific coworker. Months ago, you know, before I was praying in the car, I had mentioned, hey, I'd like to maybe start a police Bible study with people in the DMV area, you know, officers in the DMV area. Um, that was months prior, hadn't talked about it again, didn't talk to this guy specifically about it, and I guess he heard about it. I'm praying, and I'm asking the Lord, Father, would you just make it clear, if I need to invite this guy to this Bible study, I, I'm hesitant, I don't, feel, I don't feel sure about it, I'm not sure, can you, just, can you just make it abundantly clear what I should do? Literally within 10 minutes, I pull into the parking lot of the police station, that specific guy comes and knocks on my window, and before I can even turn my car off, I put the window down, and the first thing he says out of his mouth is, hey, when are you starting that church thing? Uh, And you better believe I told him soon, and I'll let you know. 
Um, I can't take any credit for that. I was honestly kind of shrinking back and cowering a little bit for a long time of not doing anything. But the only thing, the difference maker, was I started to talk to the Father and ask for opportunities. That's it. It's the Father who does it. We see in, uh, it's, it's his harvest. When you're, you're reading through that, it's he is the Lord of the harvest and sent out workers into his harvest. Everything is his. So, and we're just the servants. We're just the go-between that we've received the hope for all of eternity through Jesus Christ. All we got to do is just advance the ball, you know, be used by, by the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have to hit some quota of sharing the gospel every week, every month. No, you may, you may not share it with anyone for the next year. Who knows? But just pray. And uh, I'm excited to hear testimonies of what the, the Lord leads you um, in uh, through that, because he will create opportunities if we are fully surrendered. If we are fully surrendered, he will create opportunities. And I know this is scary. It is for me too. Look at verses 12 through 13. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have boldness, access, and confidence as we go out. We have literally the presence of Jesus going out with us into his harvest. Everything is supplied by him. He is the one who builds the house. He's the one who gives growth. We don't control the results as we share the gospel or try to be a light in the workplace. We just try to be faithful, obedient servants to our Father and be used however he wants us to be used. That's it. And why don't we just start right now going back of trying to understand our personal testimony. And maybe this happens for you a lot, of the Lord kind of revealing of uh, your desperate need and what he's done personally in your life, or maybe it's been a while and that hasn't happened. We're going to take a moment here shortly to just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, to clear our eyes, to open the eyes of our hearts, to see the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for us. Band, you can uh, come on up. see, as I was prepping for this message, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to share it. Uh, as I was prepping for this, Monday morning, uh, I'm reading through the text and um, burdened a little bit by the work week and everything that uh, I have, have to do. Um, and I'm reading through the text, and all I do is I just start to pray to the Father. And I wasn't expecting this, but the Holy Spirit came, and, and compl- I was weeping in a matter of seconds because the Lord cleared my eyes to see my utter dependence on him, what he's done for me, his mercy and grace and love towards me, radically changing my life. And uh, through the busyness of, of the work week, my, my vision was a little cloudy. I couldn't really see my, my terminal condition and the cure. And if we can't see our condition, we won't seek after the physician. And for some of you, you may think, uh, no, Jake, I'm, I'm fully aware of my condition. You don't know how far I have strayed from the Lord. You don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what I did last night. I have strayed far. My sin is too great. Let's look at Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Not only did he pull us out of our sin and trespasses, he has pulled us out of darkness, and now we have a seat with Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. Everything we have is in Jesus, that we have actually, as you study the scriptures, that we have died and made alive with Christ, that everything we have, our very life, is hidden in God, that it's secure, it's unshakable, it's unmovable. Everything we have is in Jesus. Everything we have is in Jesus, and your sin is not too great to be forgiven. Uh, believe me, the name of J- Jesus is above all other names, and he has mercy and compassion on his sheep. So this morning, I, um, in a moment, we're just going to bow our heads. I, I just, I want to get out of the way. I want to get out of the way, and I want the Lord to speak to you. I want him to maybe refresh things that he's done in the past for your life. I can't, I can't lead you to him. I want you to go to him directly. And uh, we're just going to bow our heads, close our eyes, and just have that conversation with the Lord of, Lord, I, I, I know you. I know you died on the, the cross for my sins. You poured out your blood, blood so I could be cleansed and purified for all of eternity. That we, I have hope and joy for all of eternity. But Lord, I'm feeling hard-hearted. Would you soften my heart? Would you clear my eyes to see your goodness, your mercy, and love towards me? That is what we're going to pray this morning. So you can close your eyes, bow your hearts, uh, heads now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read scripture as your eyes are closed. And I'm going to pray. And then you just speak with the Father. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and search you. And you can take communion on your own time. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strain like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come right now. That you would pour out your love. That you would clear our eyes to see what you have actually done in our lives. That we're, what our future looked like apart from what you did on the cross. The hope that we have been given. Lord, would you reveal that? Would you renew a right spirit within us? Would you renew the joy of our salvation in you, Jesus? Would you make it real with us? Because if it isn't real and genuine, we have nothing truly to share that's life-changing with anyone else. In your name, Jesus, everything changes. In your presence, everything changes. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now, search us, Anyone here feeling this morning of not worthy of forgiveness? Would you reveal, Father, your shepherd's heart that you have been seeking after them all the days of their life, that you love them, and as you looked out on the crowds, as you looked out on that person, that you were moved by compassion and have mercy on them, for they were helpless and harassed without a shepherd. Yet you went, you went to the cross and brought restoration. So would your love come? And comfort those who need comfort this morning and renew a right vision to all of us.